Welcome, and thanks for listening to the Harvest Lakeshore Sermon Podcast. For more information about us, visit harvestlakeshore.org. Hebrews 13, verses 8 through 16. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Do not be led away by diverse and strange teachings, for it is good for the heart to be strengthened by grace, not by foods which have not benefited those devoted to them. We have an altar from which those who serve the tent have no right to eat, for the bodies of those animals whose blood is brought into the holy places by the high priest as a sacrifice for sin, are burned outside the camp. So Jesus also suffered outside the gate in order to sanctify the people through his own blood. Therefore, let us go to him outside the camp and bear the reproach he endured. For here we have no lasting city, but we seek the city that is to come. Through him, then, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God, that is, the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. Do not neglect to do good and to share with you, share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Thank you. Well, uh, good morning. Uh, I want to take a welcome those of you who are guests with us this morning. Maybe you're visiting family or this is the first time at Harvest. My name is Jamie. So glad that you've joined us this morning. If you haven't been worshiping uh, with us or you're new, you wouldn't know. We've been in the book of Hebrews for a while. In fact, I had to go back and look. We've been in the book of Hebrews since the middle of January, and now we are coming to the end of the book of Hebrews. A lot has happened in the world. I mean, uh, right at the beginning, uh, we, we still had a different president and, and any number of things, thinking of the headlines that have gone on and all that's happened or changed in our lives. So a lot has happened. And one thing we are going to learn this morning is that Jesus doesn't change. But before we, we jump into that point, why don't we pray? Father, we thank you that you do not change. We thank you that your son does not change. And we thank you for your word that is timeless and timely. So I ask for your help this morning, Lord, as we open up your word to the book of Hebrews so we hear what you have to tell us. And we pray, God, that we would be changed because we have another glimpse at our wonderful Savior, Jesus. And we ask this in Jesus' mighty name. And all God's people said, amen. Well, again, we've been in the book of Hebrews and... Uh, the last number of messages have been out of chapter 13, and as uh, you know, at the end of this book, uh, the writer has written a bunch of amazing stuff about Jesus, because Jesus is greater. He's greater than, uh, he's a greater sacrifice, he's a greater high priest, he's a greater intercessor, so many things that Jesus is greater than as the writer has written, and then as he came to the end of the book, he's just kind of throwing out a bunch of things last minute because he wants to make sure we get it all in. Because even as we come to this text, out of the blue, he's kind of sharing all this stuff. He shares some things about leaders, and then out of the blue, he just says, Jesus is the same yesterday and today and forever. 
And he wants to make sure he says that because he's sharing some things before he closes the letter. He wants to share some final thoughts. So we are going to hear a, a final assurance that he gives, a final warning that he gives because he's given a number of warnings, you know, notes of caution as he's shared this letter. He's going to give a final encouragement and a final exhortation. So the final assurance is that Jesus does not change. Again, verse 8. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Doesn't change. Your wardrobe changes. I'm aware of that because my kids have gone into my wardrobe and found some things that at one time were in style and I still wore them when they went out of style and then I stopped wearing them but apparently they've come back in style and thus they've left my closet and have been stolen by my kids. So your, your wardrobe can change. Relationships can change. Political figures can change. The weather can change. Forests can stand tall for thousands of years and then become deserts. Rivers can cut massive canyons and then dry up. And as we know from the events of just the past two years, things, things ch are going to change. Change is here to stay. If you didn't know that before, we know that now. Change is going to be constant. But Jesus does not change. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. We don't need some new truth. What we need is what is true. Let us not become enamored with what is new. Let us become enamored with what is true. And what is true is that Jesus does not change. He says in Revelation 22, I'm the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. He was there at the beginning. He's going to be there at the end for all eternity, and he's present right now. And in all those situations, he doesn't change. That's kind of hard for us to grasp because we change. We don't often, we don't always change for the better, but we change. Maybe you've looked in the mirror lately and you're like, yep, it's, it's changed for sure. I, I don't know if I want, I, I don't know if I like that mirror. Things are changing. Or the value of our money seems to change. All kinds of things change. But Christ's power is not waxing or waning. He is certain. He is rock solid. He is steadfast. He doesn't change his stance or opinion. He is not, he's not moved by emotion to change his thoughts at the drop of a hat. He isn't motivated by the most recent or current political pressures to say things this way or be politically correct that way. Jesus is always relevant because Jesus does not change. If you anchor yourself in Jesus, you will not be overcome by the storms of life. I want to say that again. If you anchor yourself in Jesus, you will not be overcome by the storms of life. I didn't say that you won't experience the storms of life. I didn't say that it won't feel like this sometimes when the storms of life come. 
but you will be anchored and you will be safe and you can find encouragement and you can find rest and you can find hope because Jesus does not change. And everything he says is going to come to pass. When he says, I'm coming back, he's coming back. And we can await that day and anticipate that day. One commentator wrote, yesterday, Jesus offered up prayers and petitions with loud cries and tears to the one who could save him from death. Today, he is a high priest before the Father who is able to sympathize with our weakness because he has been tempted in every way just as we are, yet without sin. And forever, this same Jesus always lives to intercede for them. He always lives to intercede for us. And so if you were to take some time over the next month to just slowly go back through the book of Hebrews as we've studied it, You need to know that everything you read about Jesus is still true today, as it was months ago when we read about it, as it was true when the writer of Hebrews wrote it. Jesus is the same today. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So no matter what may come, friends, let us focus on Christ. We could stop right there. We could be done. We're not done because there's more for us to go through. But I hope even us, in us reading it, this has already been committed to memory. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. So when things change, when you walk out the door and you experience the change comes flying in your face, or when you wake up in the middle of the night, or when you are waking up tomorrow morning and change comes, the unexpected change that comes, know that Jesus is still the same. And he's not still the same boring old Jesus. He's still the same magnificent, mighty Christ. Because this is where we started when we started back in January. We started at the beginning of Hebrews that said, Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purifications for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Now, I could continue reading throughout the whole book of Hebrews. And all of that is true. It is true. Jesus does not change. He continues to uphold the universe by the word of his power. His blood continues to be sufficient to cover all of your sins. So if you confess them, he's faithful and just to forgive you of your sins because Jesus does not change. And the writer wants us to know that before we leave this letter. He also wants to, to give a final warning because he's warned us of a number of things. He's warned us to have an anchor so that we won't drift. He's warned us. And here he warns us and says, beware of false teachers. He says in verse 9, do not be led away by diverse and strange teachings. For it is good for the heart to be strengthened by grace, not by foods, which have not benefited those devoted to them. So right away you're kind of like, wait a minute, like 
I, I think I understand what this diverse and strained teaching, but what in the world is he like? He's talking about food in the same situation, being strengthened by food and diverse and strange teaching. How do those fit together? Well, the original hearers would have immediately understood what he was talking about. They would have understood that he was talking about not being devoted to extra biblical dietary laws. That the original hearers, remember, they were Hebrew Christians. They knew their Old Testament backwards and forwards. They knew the Old Testament law, and some were tempted to trust in the Old Testament law. Some were also tempted to add to that Old Testament law to add to their religious experience. And so he's telling them, don't don't be devoted to those things. And so they would have understood that. Because even those early Hebrew Christians would have been chastised because they didn't offer these extra sacrifices. And so they needed to hear that the new covenant, the new covenant in the blood of Jesus was enough. They didn't need to do other stuff. That's what the the food stuff is about. External acts cannot save us. Only the blood of Jesus. But he says at the beginning, don't be led away. Don't be led away by those teachings, but don't be led away by diverse and strange teachings. Paul mentions this in Acts. He says, I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. Therefore, be alert. So Paul said it. The writer of Hebrews says it. We need to be aware, friends, that false teaching is going to come. It's not really a matter of if false teaching. Well, it might. No, we should expect that it's going to come, and we need to be aware of it. So what are we looking for? What is this diverse and strange teaching that we are looking for? Well, one thing we need to be aware of is it often doesn't come as just like blatantly false teaching. We can usually see that when someone is completely denying Christ and living lives that are are obviously characterized by evil and slandering God. We, we can see that from a mile away. And we, we automatically kind of associate false teaching with those people that are, you know, reading out of the satanic Bible and trying to lead you astray into every, every horrible thing. But he's warning about the things that are, are subtle. It's strange. Something that's just, there's something not quite right about that. And when he says diverse, it's, it's referring to like when, when something's colorful or like colorful clothing, like when Joseph in the book of Genesis was given a coat by his dad that had many colors on it. So something that would kind of catch your eye. Don't be, don't be enamored by that. Like, like things that are new, particularly, I think, in any culture, but in our culture, we're just enamored by something that's new. The commercials don't show stuff, hey, we've got this old thing we want to sell you. No, it's something new, some new take on this, some new food item that's been repackaged or renamed or added a flavor. And we're enamored by the new. So we say, don't be enamored by the new. Be enamored by what is true. Don't be enamored by the one who's just an impressive speaker. Because the false 
teaching doesn't usually come from, like I said, the person that just sticks out to you. No, it usually comes through you know, someone, it's, it's, they sound right, they, they look nice, but we must test what is said, brothers and sisters, by God's word. Test what is said by Scripture. Because that, that's how we are going to know. We're going to know false teaching, not because we study every single false teaching that's out there. Every, we don't need to study every kind of strange teaching that's out there. We need to study what's true, and that's how we discern. You've heard the illustration about how does a banker tell the difference between a counterfeit and the genuine article. Well, they don't study all the different counterfeits. They study the genuine article, and when the counterfeit comes, comes along, you can tell right away had this experience recently talking with a young man who has moved away from the area, gotten a job 1,500 miles away, was asking me, uh, you know, I, I need to find a church. How should I find a church? So we got online together. We're, we're looking through, you know, tons of different churches in his area online. And you'd think, man, that's going to be really hard to find. You know, we probably weeded through 20 or 30 names. And, and actually, it was, it was pretty easy to find two or three that he should check out. And that's sad. Because of the, the two or three, those two or three were, uh, were the ones that mentioned Jesus on their website. Okay, it's, it's probably not a good thing if you are looking for a local church and they don't mention Jesus. In fact, that's a bad thing. That's a, that's a sign to you, maybe... Maybe you could go, maybe they just don't know how to put a website together because we also discovered that some don't. Um, some didn't even have them. So, you know, give them the benefit of the doubt. But Jesus should be at the core of, of what a church should be, making disciples. So in that process, we, we weren't really trying to kind of understand every single thing about them. We were just trying to get to the place where he could go and he could visit and he could discover what the Lord had. Pray through that, meet with people. But we discovered where to go, not because we knew everything about all of those places, but because we started with this. Does it look like this? It can look different than what we look like, but are the essential core truths being held up? And friends, the same rings true for other things that we engage with in our society. And here's the reality. Things are evil. They are increasingly evil. And as they grow increasingly evil, there's some things that just look good because this stuff over here is just so bad. This thing right here in the middle seems like it's good. And we can let our guard down and we can start to think that, oh, that's just fine because it looks better than this. But if we're discerning, we see that there's, there's compromise. There's, there's immorality being promoted. There's things that look good but aren't good that are being promoted. So we need to be discerning, friends. We need to be discerning. Be aware. Be aware. Do not be led away by diverse and strange teachings. Do not be led away by the latest and greatest thing. And this can happen in the Christian world. Many Christian publishers, their goal is, is to do one thing. As you would guess, they're a publisher to sell books. Okay? That's, that's their goal. If they don't sell books, they 
They close. And so they can sell resources that seem good. I mean, the packaging looks really wonderful. I mean, look at that. It's got a great name. There's so many nice things. And look, there's, a, there's some quotes from some famous people on the front. Friends, you want to be discerning. Let's not be led away by diverse and strange teachings. Let, let, let's let this book be the book that guides us. As we know this book, as we press into this book, as we understand this book, as we memorize this book, when we read other stuff, it's not going to lead us away. We're going to be like, oh, I don't know about that one. You know, that sounds really good, but it's not great. Music can be the same way. I'm not dissing on music. I love music. I like to play music. But there's, there's plenty of music out there that sounds really good. And then all of a sudden, they'll, they'll come across a verse, and you're like, I don't know about that. That seems kind of wishy-washy. Does that, mean, does that mean you should never listen to it? No, but we want to be discerning. We don't want to perpetuate something that's not true. Jesus is the genuine article. It all comes back to Jesus. As we study about Christ, as we know that he does not change, we aren't going to be driven and tossed by the wind, as Paul says in Ephesians, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. When we focus on Christ, we're not going to be led away. Again, the storms of life are going to come. But the writer of Hebrews wanted his readers and he wants us to not be driven and tossed by the winds. He knows they're going to come. But if we focus on Christ, we're not going to be led away. So there's a, a, a final warning. But then he moves quickly to a final encouragement. Look at verse 10 and following. We have an altar from which those who serve the tent have no right to eat. For the bodies of those animals whose blood is brought into the holy places by the high priest as a sacrifice for sin are burned outside the camp. So Jesus also suffered outside the gate in order to sanctify the people through his own blood. The final encouragement he makes is Jesus suffered for those who trust in him. Jesus suffered for those who would trust in him. As we learned about early in the book, remember we learned that in the Old Testament there were sacrifices that needed to be made. Sacrifices were required for sins. And in, in, in most of those situations, when the priest would make those sacrifices, the meat was given to the priest to eat except for on the Day of Atonement, which happened once a year. Remember we talked about the Day of Atonement when the high priest would go into the Holy of Holies? He'd have to go through this cleansing process to go into the Holy of Holies to make a sacrifice because this was a serious day because that sacrifice was for the sins of the people. But that sacrifice couldn't be eaten because that sacrifice was to pay the was, was to atone for the sins of the people. And so they had to take that sacrifice outside the camp. The animal sacrifice was a picture of the judgment of God. And so that had to be taken outside the camp. You have to understand, when they talk about camp, it's not like 
camping. It's most of the camping we experience in our culture is more like glamping. It is. Even if you do a tent, right? Like very few folks go out in the middle of the woods without a tent or sleeping bag and just park it on the ground and then dig holes for other things that you need to do when you're camping and you don't have indoor plumbing. But for them, camping, the camp was, was essential to their life. All the people gathered in the camp. And so when you were in the camp, it was a place of safety because everyone was together. To go outside the camp meant that you went to a place that was dangerous. But it had a greater significance than just going to a place that was dangerous. If you're in the camp, that means you're in with God's people. You're a part of the family. If you leave the camp, if you are sent outside the camp, it was a place of judgment. In some cases, if someone said they were, they were sent out of the camp, not to go back. You didn't want to be sent out the camp because that was a place you couldn't come back from because you were no longer associated with God's people. So you were not only in a place of danger, but you were in a place where you were condemned. And that's why this sacrifice had to go outside the camp. It had to be taken outside because it represented the judgment of God. And the judgment of God is the judgment of God, not because, not, not as much because they, they go to a place of weeping and gnashing of teeth when you don't trust in Christ. Yes, there's a place that you go but the, the reason it's horrible is because it's an eternity separated from God. Separated from the one who created all things, who sustains all things, the one who gives good gifts, the one who loves, the one who extends mercy and faithfulness. Separation from Christ, the one who's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so, To be outside the camp means to be rejected and condemned. And those found in their sin are to be removed from God's presence and will be on the day of judgment. Friends, Jesus was crucified on Golgotha outside of the city of Jerusalem. Jesus was buried outside the city. This is the one who was seated with the Father and came in the flesh and lived perfectly. He was the one that was sent outside the camp. He was the one that was treated as a sinner. He was the one that was despised and rejected. He shouldn't have been. The one who should have had every right to stay in the camp went outside the camp. And he went outside the camp and he was, he was rejected by God in that moment. The father turned his face away. Why do we know that? Because when he was on the cross, he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? In verse 12, it says, so Jesus also suffered outside the gate in order to do something, in order to sanctify the people through his own blood. So friends, the encouragement is Jesus went outside the camp. You don't have to 
be in fear. You don't have to be in a place of condemnation because you are experiencing the trials of life. You are experiencing sin. It does seem to come in waves, and that condemnation comes. I know I feel it. I know you feel it. When you struggle with something or when you find yourself up in the middle of the night, you're just having mind games and you're just like, ah, I can't believe I did that this week or I can't believe I, I can't seem to find any victory in this particular area of my life. And you just feel condemnation. You feel like you're outside the camp in judgment from God. But here's what's true. Jesus went outside the camp to sanctify the people through his own blood. As, as John the Baptist said, Jesus, he's the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He has taken away your sin. If you have trusted in Christ, he has taken away your sin, and you can live in the good of that. You need to live in the good of that. Live in the good of that, brothers and sisters. We've heard that time and again, right? Time and again, as we learned about Jesus being the greater sacrifice, Jesus being the greater high priest. You need to live in the good of the fact that Jesus went outside the camp. And he went outside the camp for you. That's an encouragement for us to take home, for us to savor So that's why we look to Jesus. That's why time and again, he says back in verse 12, verse two, he says, look to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame. That's what he did for you, but now he's seated at the right hand of God. Remember, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So be encouraged. Jesus suffered for you. But friends, we just be encouraged that he suffered to pay for your sins, which is amazing enough. When you find yourself in the midst of struggle, know that Jesus endured that struggle perfectly. The pressure that you face, Jesus endured that perfectly. And so in the midst of that, when you feel all alone, you need to know you're not alone. Because Jesus endured it to the end, and he went outside the camp for you, and he's there for you each and every moment until we get to see him face to face. But then the writer of Hebrews, after pointing us to Christ, who went outside the camp, he calls us to something. He exhorts us. He exhorts his readers to something, and he exhorts us. So Jesus also suffered outside the gate in order to sanctify the people through his own blood. And then he says in verse 13, therefore, let us go to him outside the camp. Let us go to him outside the camp. Now, I know that seems, that that doesn't really fit into a feel-good message, okay? I just told you that going outside the camp is a place that's not good. It's, it's a place that's not safe. Why would I go outside the camp? Jesus went outside the camp. Jesus is the one that is seated at the right hand of God. So we do need to go outside the camp, but we don't go outside the camp to a place that's unsafe. We go to a place that's safe. 
safe for our souls, safe for eternity. But here's, friends, it's not safe in this world. It's not safe in this world. And it won't be safe in this world. The original audience were Christians who were tempted to put their security and hope in something other than Jesus. And that has been true for every Christian generation since that time. We are tempted to put our trust in something other than Jesus. We're tempted to go with the new teaching that's safer. We're tempted to adopt those things that enamor people. But the author of Hebrews is calling us to leave what is comfortable. Therefore, let us go to him outside the camp. He calls us to leave everything and follow Jesus. Leave everything to follow Christ. Go outside the camp. Follow Jesus at any cost. He's exhorting these original hearers, if you, if you remain committed to the Old Testament system, you're not going to benefit from the atoning sacrifice of Christ. Friends, if you're devoted to some religiosity, some religious institution, some, some list of rules that are apart from Christ, you're not going to benefit from Christ. We must leave everything to follow Christ. Jesus said in Matthew 16, verse 24, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. It it costs you everything. This is not a, hey, come Come be a follower of Jesus and your life will be easy. Come follow Jesus and you will live your best life now. You're going to get so many blessings when you follow Jesus. Now that's partially true. But unfortunately that message is painted in such a way as if your life will now become a life of ease and prosperity and no problems will ever befall you. You'll never get sick. You'll never have trials. You'll never be lacking for any physical want in your life. That's not the gospel. That's not the gospel at all. We, we will have an abundant life. We will live our lives more abundantly, but it doesn't say that we are going to have prosperity. No, the call is to die. But as we die, we discover what true life really is. We discover what true joy really is. We discover what true peace really is, but it's going to cost you everything. And I want to make the call, if you've never trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ, leave everything to follow Jesus you will not be disappointed, but it will cost you everything, and it's going to be hard because following Jesus comes at a cost. So follow Christ today, but it will come at a cost. So, so brothers and sisters, be ready to suffer with Christ. It says here, therefore let us go outside the camp and bear the reproach he endured. Bear the reproach he endured. Now, it's not saying go and bear the sins of the world. That's been done, and it is finished. Jesus made that clear. It is finished. You're not going to bear your sin. You're not going to pay penance for your sin. You are not bearing the sins of other people. 
That's not what's being advocated here. No, we're, we're going we're gonna to bear some of the scorn that Jesus did. Jesus did not deserve it. That's why Jesus said when, they, when they're persecuting you, really, they're not persecuting you, they're persecuting me. But you're going to experience it as if they're persecuting you. That's what it's going to feel like. But really, they're persecuting me. We need to bear the reproach that he endured. John 15 says, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. And in chapter 16, it says, the hour is coming. Whoever kills you will think he is offering service to God. Offering service to God is what it says. Not just some crazy individual who's just coming after you, but somebody who thinks they're offering service to God. Acts 14, 22, though many tribulations, through many tribulations we must enter the kingdom of God. 2 Timothy 3, 12, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Friends, we could go on. I cut out all kinds of texts from Scripture where we hit it again and again and again. When you follow Jesus, it's, it's going to be hard. We should expect that it's going to be hard. Jesus promised that it would be hard. But friends, outside the camp is where we find grace to help in time of need. Outside the camp is where we find the one who intercedes for us. Outside the camp is where we find the one who is anchored in heaven. He's seated at God's right hand. He's our anchor. He's there. Remember, he's anchored in heaven. We are tied to him. It is sure where we are going, no matter how, how hard the waves get, no matter how discouraged that we feel, we are secure because we've gone to him who is outside the camp. Friends, we need to hear this message Things are not getting easier for us. And I'm not talking about the economy. I'm talking about the hostility that is coming towards those who are followers of Jesus. And we can get distracted by political discussions when we need to be focusing on the one who went to the cross for us. Because the real problem isn't who's in the White House. The real problem aren't the, the laws that are there. The real problem is that Jesus said that it's going to get worse before he comes back. It's going to. But that is when our light will shine. Let it shine. We're going to learn about that when we get into the Sermon on the Mount. Probably sometime in February is when, when that's going to come. We're going to let our light shine before men that they may see our good works and glorify our God who's in heaven. How's our light going to shine? Our light's going to shine because it's so dark. But yet there's, there's going to be stuff that's just going to come at us. God meets us outside the camp to forgive us of our sins and get the righteousness of Christ. One author said, this means that if you want acceptance in the courts of respectable academia, 
If you want to be admired in the cocktail lounges of conventional and progressive worldly wisdom, and especially if you want to avoid the scandal of a religion that man rejects, then you may not have fellowship with this Jesus Christ. You may not approach his cross by staying within the safe confines of the worldly city, for the cross is found outside the camp. But if you go outside the gates of worldly acceptance, not because you have some grudge against the world, but because you see Jesus there, you will gain the salvation he bought with his blood to make you holy unto God. And to go outside the camp, you must simply confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead and you will be saved. And you just simply must declare to all who will hear, I am a follower of Jesus. I am found in him. That's how we go. But because Jesus is outside the camp, where we are, the place of brokenness and hurt, as we were singing that new song, I know it kind of upended all of us. We kind of thought we were starting to sing a new a Christmas carol. Like, wait a minute, that's not the right one. Wes got the words wrong. No, he got the words right. We are in the place of brokenness. We are in the place of hurt. We are in the place of failure. We are outside the camp. But Jesus came outside the camp for us. That means he's always accessible to us. We weren't perfect enough to live under the law, so we find ourselves outside the camp. Everyone is outside the camp. Are you going to Christ? Are you running to Christ? Run to Christ who is outside the camp because he's always accessible. So how do we keep doing this? How do we keep our focus? We need to look to the city that's to come because let us therefore go outside the camp and bear the reproach he endured. For here we have no lasting city. This place, this place here right now, this place that we live in, not just that we are in Stevensville, Michigan at this moment, but this place, this entire world, wherever your house is, or if you travel to some other part of the world, this entire world is not going to last. We have no lasting city. But we seek the city that is to come. This is a pilgrim existence. And the writer wants to remind us of that. As he calls us to hold on to Jesus, he wants to remind us this is a pilgrim existence. It doesn't matter if you paid off your mortgage or if you finally got to the place where you could afford an overpriced house and it seems kind of permanent to you. It's not permanent. It's not permanent at all. We are looking to a lasting city, a city that's to come, one where the one who rules that city is the prince of peace. He's the prince of peace. And then through Christ, we, we offer sacrifices, sacrifices of praise, sacrifices of good works as we've talked about some of those things. But even as we mentioned the sacrifice of praise, it's something that's 
It's outward. It's something that we do verbally. It's something that we articulate. That's why we sing the songs that we do that are filled with Scripture because we want to articulate these amazing truths again and again so that we can be reminded of them. And so if anyone comes into our midst, they can know what we are about. We're about Christ. The writer of Hebrews wants his readers to be God's men and God's women in this day. He wants to remind us that Jesus doesn't change. He wants us to be aware of those who might be saying strange things because he wants us to be grounded in Christ. Don't be led away by those things. He wants us to know that Jesus went outside the camp for us and he wants us to go and follow Jesus at any cost. So whether you're trusting in Jesus for the first time today or you're recommitting, I'm going to go. It doesn't matter how bad the world gets. I'm not going to wait till things settle down because things aren't going to settle down. But they will settle down one day when we're in his kingdom. And the writer of Hebrews closes. He closes the book this way, apart from some final greetings that he gives. If you look at your Bibles at verse 20 and 21, He says, now may the God of peace who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you with everything good that you may do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Let's pray. Father, as we come to the close of this book, I I pray this prayer for us. I want to pray this prayer for the saints seated here and those who are, are watching from home. Lord, you are the God of peace who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, by his blood that secured an eternal covenant, not one that needs to be renewed every year, but his blood secured an eternal covenant, not one that we need to come bring sacrifices every day, but one we come and we receive every day. Lord, would you equip these saints with every good thing that they may do your will. Lord, you're working in them. Continue to work in these saints, that which is pleasing in your sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. And may our lives be lives of worship that give glory to you forever and ever. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Harvest Lakeshore Sermon Podcast. Harvest Lakeshore exists to glorify God through the fulfillment of the Great Commission. For more information about us, visit harvestlakeshore.org.